Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon, Brandon Wound Pickups. Hey, this is me, Todd Novak. We are super happy that you are listening to our show, the Guitar Knobs podcast. Um, We are in this hot little room in Columbus, Ohio, and we're doing what we love to do bringing this good stuff to you and we hope that you enjoy the show it's very special we have somebody special on the line because that's why it's special hey this is zach with mcpeter's guitars zach with mcpeter's guitars yeah um we have occasionally we have the opportunity to pull in somebody that hasn't necessarily broke big on the scene yet well and i shouldn't say occasionally i mean well no we've done we've done a couple of them like that i i would say and and I think that they're doing pretty well right now, as a matter of fact. As a result. I'm just saying. (laughs) Right, yeah. So anyways, uh, these guitars caught my eye, and we started talking. I said, hey, why don't we get you on the show? And we're going to go down and visit them at NAMM in just a few weeks here, so we're really excited about that. Uh, So we'll get into all of this interview business Shortly, if you are not driving and you want to check out what we are talking about, go to mcpetersguitars.com, right? Yes. That's right. Yeah. mcpetersguitars.com. Uh, also on Instagram at the same thing, mcpetersguitars. So check out uh, what we're talking about right now if you have your hands Free, not attached to a steering wheel. It's worth it. Really cool guitars. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Uh, Gentlemen, we got a little bit of business to deal with, um, but not much. I just want to say that if you are listening to our show, and you have been, and you like the show, I would very much appreciate if you wouldn't mind going out on the old... um, uh, wherever you're listening, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever. And if you wouldn't mind just writing us a great review, it helps us bubble up to the top so that other folks that might not have seen us will listen to us. Please. It really does help, and we would really appreciate it. And we would love to hear from you. Yep. Um, so uh, we got a couple great emails uh, tell us that, you know, we've got uh, some people who are liking what we're doing, and, and that's much appreciated. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. As I just said, I wanted to reiterate that because I mean it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the rabbits. Do it. Do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into what's going on in our music world this week. Jared. Alrighty. So I bought a new car. That's and what? I bought that, a new car. That doesn't have anything to do with guitar. Well, dude. listen. It's a so, car that he can't fit any guitars uh, in. Yeah, <laughs> right? It'll slide right into the guitar story. Okay, so yeah, I got to see where this is going. So <laughs> I bought a new car, and the new car was up in Fremont, Ohio, which is a few hours north of where we are now, uh, because I had my truck with me uh, when I bought this car, and I'm keeping my truck. Hence, I drove the car, you know, truck back, had a buddy drive my truck, uh, well, let me back up. Oh, this is riveting already. <laughs> I know it. A buddy and I took my truck up there. Which buddy? Buford. Buford! Buford T. Justice. What's going he on, Buford? He has a hey. friend named Buford. Buford, that's right. We yeah. went up to Fremont. He's got and, a Mutron. That's right. <laughs> we went into the guitar shop there and just to see my good old buddy and uh, that what's, owns what's the place. What's his name? Dusty Bob. Dusty Bob. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's, his name's I really Dusty this Bob. Crazy. <laughs> Gotta love it. Okay, well, go ahead. So anyway, I'm looking at his guitars just to give a get a little peek of what he's got in the store. And what caught my eye was a 1967 Silvertone guitar. Hmm. And the model number is some number that I don't remember, but it is beautiful. It's crazy looking. And I said, hey, man, how much for this guitar? He's like, I don't know. I don't know what it's worth. Uh, Let me see what it's worth. (laughs) He didn't have a price on it. So we wheeled and dealed and, you know, traded and whatever. And I ended up with this guitar. It is one of the coolest guitars I've ever. Is that red one you showed us? Yes. Yeah, the Tiesco. Yeah, it looks like some crazy Russian 
job. It does, I but mean, it really it does. was it really well done. Japanese. I mean, the body is is crazy looking. The paint job on it is fantastic. It's got all these rocker switches on it, which I do love. It, yep, has the rocker switches. Uh, it's got an aluminum pickguard. Yeah, a billeted got, aluminum pickguard. Yes, it is way cool. It's got a uh, you, tremolo bar on it. You stole it. that thing. So as, 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 as my note to you is it, it is a Silvertone 1436. That's right. Which is also known as a Tiesco et 230 K2-L. Thank you for that really good information. Well, now, if it's Japanese, isn't it Taisco? You can call it what you want. Or, you guys no, can tasco. call it whatever tasco. you want. It would be a tasco. Tasco. Anyways. All right. Potato, potato. Here's a little bit of sprinkles on the top for you. Sprinkles. It came with the original chipboard case. All right. It came with the original Sears and Roebuck payment book. That's mm, super cool. That's, and it's, that's a neat Yeah, you really did score. That's, and it still that's an has. awesome guitar. It still has. How many payments are owed? <laughs> <laughs> There's still some payment brochure uh, things in there, but um, it still has the original flat wounds that are, that it, you know. Wow. No, that that is a cool them. guitar. That's And that's one of the more desirable ones. Uh, somebody fussed around with the, uh, the, the tuner bushings. Uh, so I got to get that fixed. But uh, after that's fixed, I think it's going to be great. Hmm. Put some different strings on it and kind of see how it's made underneath. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. So. Now, uh, speaking of flat rounds, you're probably not going to, if you don't put flat rounds on it, um, what, what's the other one? Is it uh, round wound? No, no, not. Standard uh, strings are round wounds. Yeah, no, no, but, but the other kind that, that aren't completely not. Ground wounds. Ground wounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ground wounds are mm-hmm. like halfway in between. Now, yeah. if you, and for you guitar players There's out another there one too. that are looking to strengthen your fingers and your playing, get yourself a set of flat wounds, put them on your guitar, hmm. and then practice with those. That'll toughen your fingers right up. They're larger strings, and they're harder to bend. Zach, how about you? What's going on in your music world? Yeah, so though I'm not a bass player, I recently acquired a Hofner club bass. Uh, it's a short scale a hollow body bass. It's been a ton of fun and, you know, an awesome uh, bargain, I would say. Solid instrument. I don't really have a whole lot to complain about and recommend it to anyone that's out there looking for something like that. Cool. Uh, what color is it? It is a sunburst. Oh, nice. It's kind of like a Les Paul shapeish kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe a little smaller. Nice. Nice. Not bad. Not bad. Um, are you, what, what possessed you to pick up a bass? Yeah, so um, in my spare time, I've kind of been working on some soul music type jams and logic, and I'm a huge fan of Otis Redding and Sam Cooke and that sort of stuff. Um, so I figured, you know, there's no uh, no keyboard or MIDI controller that'll really come close to having an actual bass in the mix. So I decided to pull the trigger and see if I couldn't add some of that in there. Awesome. Why not? That's cool. Tony, what's up with you? Well, I'm glad you asked that. So, uh, you know, I've been on this on again, off again hunt for a uh, an SG project, mm-hmm. and I've had my eye on this other. It's it's Guild's version of an SG. It's called an S100, and um, in particular, I've always wanted to get one of the uh, '70s that has the acorns and oak leaves carved into the top. Well, lo and behold, uh, the good people at eBay sent this 20% off coupon to me, which was very nice of them. That's cool. I mean, I had to use it by 7 o'clock Pacific time, and there I was, 9.30, scrambling through eBay. <laughs> and I find uh, a, a guy that who I've, I've bought other uh, necks and bodies from before um, had this body uh, and neck. From a, it's a seventy three guild S one hundred. I think officially it's a C or SC, which means it's carved and it's got the acorns and and oak leaves carved into it. So uh, with the with the discount, it came into a very affordable price. So that's going to be my next project. So that should be arriving here in the not too distant future. Wow. Oh, that's very. But cool. they're really they're cool guitars. Uh, I've had other S one hundreds before. And they're really well-made, um, 
you know, slightly different shape than an SG, but still the same idea. I had a buddy that had one of those and it, it was really nice. Yeah. They're great guitars. Yeah. So I figured, well, you know, if you're going to, if I'm going to do something fun, I might as well get one that's carved up like that. So I think Johnny from Alchemy has one too, hanging up. Maybe not a carved one, but he's got he, a, I think he did have an S100 yeah. up there. Yeah. Interesting. So that, that was, that's, that was my day. That was my half hour before the coupon expired. Right on. <laughs> right on. Uh, what about you? Yeah, what's up? Well, I have been trying to get our uh, set list together and everything, and I'm looking, I'm, I'm now doing the, the small, small knob adjustments, trying to like find cool little nuances to pull in and out of uh, during certain parts of songs and stuff. And I accidentally stomped on an extra pedal uh, at a, at a, specific point i was playing let's see i think i had the the fettle boost on and i had a northern creeper and then i hit the rat and it just went just like this huge feedback and i was i was playing out of the fender blues deluxe and i had a hagstrom uh, viking so (laughs) it was just insane feedback right at first i thought oh this is awful ah stop it stop it and then i was like wait a minute what if i can try to control this so i figured out that if i drop the volume on the rat just enough and when i jump into this i can there's a particular part that i want to like intro back into the song with a big you know howl of of feedback and now it's cool so la there you go. Yeah. So that was kind of exciting, kind of fun. Nice little accident that happened. Now I just got to, you know, manage that live. <laughs> well, that'll be easy. Yeah. No problem. No problems there. I'm sure nothing will happen. Nothing will go wrong. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Mm. Everything goes wrong. It's just pedals. And I have three feet, so that's perfect. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, you know what it's about? Oh. One, two, one, two, three. Four on the floor. All right, Zach, give us your four on the floor. Yeah, start off with uh, a tube screamer that I have that's uh, modded by Analog Man with his 808 and silver mods. Played a ton of overdrives, and I have a ton of them in the closet. And I know that one's a little bit bland to some folks' taste, but with every guitar and amp that I have, it just does the trick and sounds fantastic. Nice. Uh, is that something that you've had for a while, or...? Yeah, I've probably had it for around 10 years now. And, um, you know, every time I take it off the board, it goes back on. So what possessed you to get an analog man at the time? Was it because you'd heard about that? or a big fan of U2. And I had read somewhere back in the day that the Edge used one of analog man's modded tube screamers. So I had to give it a go. And it's been on my board pretty much ever since. Well, that's a good enough reason. I mean... You got somebody that you know, like, I want it to sound like that. What do they use? Use that. Done. (laughs) Cool. Okay, what's number two? All right, so number two's got to be the Diamond Compressor. Um, I love a bunch of music from the 60s, like the birds and that super compressed stuff. So I got to have a little compression in my signal. And it's just one of those pedals that brightens things up a little bit. It has a tone knob on it, and you miss it when it's not there. So it's an always-on pedal for me. Nice, nice. Um, did you try out like several different compressors or, or was that like just one that you were pointed to or? Yeah, I've had a couple. I've, uh, I've had the Keeley and I like that quite a bit. And I had the analog man Bicomp, which I believe is a, uh, on one side of memory serves, it's like a orange squeezer and the other side is his version of a Ross compressor. But there's something about the diamond compressor. It's an optical compressor, and I'm not um, smart enough to know what that really <laughs> means on the back end. But the way that it affects the signal, um, you know, as soon as I got it, it just it was the sound that I always had in my head. I love it and highly recommend it. That's cool. Is it is that a pretty complex pedal, or is it one of those simpler? I mean, like, it seems like compressor pedals are either like super complex, and you really, really have to work with it quite a bit to get it right where you want it, or it's sometimes maybe even too simple no i would say it's right somewhere in between i mean one of the things i really like about it is it does have an eq knob on it and some of the compressors that i've played with in the past will darken up your signal a bit and it's super helpful to be able to 
bring it up to sound like your amp wants it to sound. And then apart from that, there is just, um, I think it's like a, like a level and volume knob on it as well. So you don't have to deal with peaks or drops in volume. It's pretty straightforward. Um, I absolutely love it. And I'm a pretty big fan of compression. And like I said, it's just one of those pedals, whenever it's not on, I miss it. So I, I keep it on most of the time. Awesome. What, what kind of like, what kind of music are you using to play with, uh, with that said compressor? Yeah, so um, I'm a pretty big fan of, you know, the Beatles, the Ventures, any of that early music that they just compressed the hell out of in uh -huh. the studio. So I like to replicate some of that as I'm playing. Right, right. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I know that you mentioned that previously, uh, but uh, I wasn't sure if, if it was just like if that was uh, an influence or if you were actually playing that kind of stuff. So. That's cool that you're able to, to achieve that kind of, that sound that you're looking for. I mean, everybody's always chasing the sound. So when you do lock onto it, it's, it's pretty gratifying. Yeah, absolutely. What's number three? So number three is probably the, the most exciting one that I have on here. If that can be said, um, it's my analog man, analog delay pedal. And I've got the, uh, how's it? I think it's an Amazio controller that goes along with it. So you've got an analog delay where you can have two different speed settings, a tap tempo, and then the option to add modulation to it. So for an analog delay pedal, it's super flexible and um, it's the best delay I've come across yet. I'm assuming you've tried out a few because that's a, uh, I'm, I'm also assuming that's a pretty expensive pedal. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually not as much as you would think, but yeah, I mean, I have a, uh, a Strymon Timeline, which is a phenomenal pedal for what it does. Um, but I really like the analog flavor that comes from the analog, man. Um, it's just its own thing. You know, one of those things you probably couldn't pick out in a recording, even though some people would say that you could, but, um, when you're right in front of your amplifier, you can definitely notice it and it impacts the, you know, the feel of the, the playing as you're using it. Sure. Sure. That's cool. And, and when you're using that, is that something that you are you like an uh, it's an it's an always on thing or a heavy effect or using it for both you know it depends uh it's not usually an always on thing i'll typically set up one of the channels to do a dotted eight with the tap delay and then on the other i'll do like a slapback echo for more old school stuff very nice i like a little slap back <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh what's number four yeah, so number four, um, right now on my board, I have a Wampler Spring Reverb, which is the closest thing I've found yet to uh, like a outboard tube reverb. Um, I don't have one of those. I'll probably get one someday, and I'm in the process of building one of the um, Surfy Bear reverbs where he basically takes the circuit from the old Fender units and replaces the tubes with JFETs. But right now the Wampler Spring Reverb's on my board and I absolutely love it. I've tried a ton of reverb pedals and it's definitely the one that sounds the most natural in a pedal format to my ears. Yeah, they I, they make some they make some uh, a few pedals. I think one, one or two. Does. I think they have two. Is it Womp Wampler? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we had him on the show. He was a great dude. Great dude to talk to. I mean, I, we the guitar community owes an awful lot to his efforts in, in many, many capacities. So salute to Wampler. <laughs> um, cool, man. That's a, that's a nice, tidy little board. Uh, uh, <laughs> one that you might want to keep an eye on if you're leaving it and laying around anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> And I got to say this as well, um, you know, since we're keeping it to four pedals, this pedal isn't necessarily necessary, but I've got eight pedals on my board right now and a must have for anyone with, you know, six plus pedals, I've got to say is the ZVEX super hard on. It makes your signal sound so much better than just getting a super buffer. So and it's kind of five, but I couldn't throw it in there with only having a four pedal board. I thought it was definitely uh, worth mentioning. That's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll just, we'll let that slide right in there. Um, how, how do you use that essentially is like, where's that in your signal? Yeah. So that's first in my signal. And basically what it does is it, it boosts the signals impedance. So that high end roll off that you tend to lose whenever you're running, you know, pedal cable, pedal cable, pedal cable, it brings it back in and adds just a whole lot of clarity to the signal and a little something special due to whatever Zachary Vexter puts in that box. Nice. Well, that's, I know that, uh, buffers are sort of, you know, black magic still to a lot of folks. I mean, 
you can get lost in the the questioning uh, in the internet about you know do I need a buffer? Yes, you do need a buffer. <laughs> you do need a buffer. Um, if you I have know that more than four pedals, you need a buffer. I need a buffer. yeah. Take your cable out, plug it straight into the amp, and if you have more than four pedals, you'll definitely hear a difference. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta um, get one of those. Help me, I want yeah. one. Oh, well, I actually was just re. Uh, I, I need to get one myself. I mean, honestly, I do. I've. I've almost pulled the trigger on a few different ones, but uh, I'm trying trying to line somebody up uh, as a guest that uh, may be talking to us about utility style pedals. So um, more to come on that when we announce it. Um, That was a cliffhanger. I know. (laughs) I also just read something that was very interesting where someone was suggesting putting a buffer at the beginning of signal and after your fuzzes. So if you are running multiple fuzzes, if you've got like, you know, two, three, four fuzzes running a buffer after your fuzzes, I thought that's interesting. Would not apply to me. <laughs> it would apply yeah, to me. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I've always heard that putting a buffer, I think it's before the fuzz pedal interacts the way the fuzz pedals or a lot of them interact. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, change the tone. I mean, what's wrong with that? Well, it might suck. That's well, what maybe it'll, <laughs> well, maybe no, it'll be better. I, I mean, you know. have a choice, A or B choice now. I yeah. mean, a, a buffer does preserve high end and it, yeah. I mean, it drops it to low impedance. Yeah. So it, it changes the signal and that, and that and with most pedals. really persnickety about that. Persnickety. Yeah. You heard that when you went to go pick up that guitar from Billy Bob and who Dusty, it? Dusty Joe, <laughs> Dusty, Dusty Bottoms or whatever. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to pass out. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, anyways, so excellent. Four plus ish. That was overdrive. Four. I yeah, did. Little, I did a little fifth overdrive. One a little fifth one. You threw one in there too. Yeah. Everybody. We're going to get into the interview part of the show. Woo-hoo! We're excited about this. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the top of the the top of the hour, um, page two, we, we've we've got a we got somebody here that you know is really sort of cracking into the scene as it were right now, um, and I, I think that's an interesting thing to talk about because we are in a guitar world that is inundated with boutique brands of guitars, amps, pedals, gear of all sorts and kinds. So at this point to say, "Mm, you know what, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring is uh, admirable and I'm sure daunting in some levels. Um, So, uh, but we, you know, we applaud anybody that is following their passion and their, their dream to, to create. Uh, so I'm very curious to hear this story and how you guys got started and what sort of like hill you're looking up at. If you are looking up at one, maybe you're just like, I don't care. We're just doing it. On top of the hill looking down. Maybe. Right. So Zach, how did you get started in the guitar building process? Yeah, so I always grew up around music. My father um, and I are the ones that build these guitars, and he's been doing it as a hobby since the mid-70s. So it was probably two and a half, three years ago, you know, I had just got a Rickenbacker, um, which are awesome guitars and I absolutely love. (laughs) And I found a video online walking through their factory, and I was like, hey, Dad, check this out. So we were taking a look at it. And as we were going through it and realizing, you know, that he already has the know-how, he's got all the tools, I just said, hey, what do you think about us trying to put something together and uh, and build some guitars? And I was absolutely expecting him to shut me down on that idea, uh, but he didn't. He was actually excited by it. So um, it's just one of those things, you know, we we had the tools, we had the know-how, and um, I'm one of those folks that I don't have any hobbies whatsoever outside of music. I know a lot of folks, you know, like to watch baseball, football, they have their other things going on. And for me, it's always been, you know, listening to uh, records and, you know, playing with pedals on the floor of my bedroom at two o'clock in the morning. (laughs) So there wasn't really a good reason not to dive in and give it a go. That's rad. I, I, my mind drifted there for a minute to the, to the opening sequence of the old $6 million man show. 
Steve Austin, astronaut, a man barely alive. We can rebuild him. We have the technology. We can make him better than he was. Better, stronger, faster. Anyways, uh, I'm sorry, that was ridiculous and silly. <laughs> uh, that is super cool that you're doing that with your dad. Now, he, you said you have the tools and the know-how. Um, where does that come from? Um, he actually used to be a home builder way back in the day. And um, he plays guitar. His father plays guitar. My grandmother played guitar. So, um, you know, when he was, gosh, I can't even do the math. In the mid-70s, you know, he had started doing that as a hobby with just a passion for woodworking. I mean, he's a guy that can do just about anything out there. He's uh, a master craftsman. And um, does he have a cool mustache? <laughs> he doesn't. He does have a beard. Okay. And um, it's not uncommon <laughs> for my friends to tell me that he looks shockingly close to Kenny Rogers. So he probably <laughs> will hate that hearing it on here. But I love you, Dad. You got to throw the joke in there. <laughs> My grandpa yeah. got that for years as well. Yeah, he had the gray beard and looked just like Kenny. Yeah. Uh, so, it, it, what took you guys so long to put that math together? I mean, that seems like a pretty obvious thing. Like, wait, everybody plays guitar and we have a woodworking master. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm not really sure. I, I kind of am inclined to, you know, um, agree with your sentiments on that. I, I don't know what really took so long. You know, from my end, I've always been into effects pedals, pickups, the electronic side of things. So with his know-how, his craftsmanship, he's incredibly anal when it comes to anything uh, about guitars or crafts or perfection. And I'm the same way when it comes to sound. So it just ended up being a really good match. You know, um, you know he's super particular about certain things that I may be a little less particular about and vice versa. So it's a surprisingly good balancing act for you know, a father-son combination to uh, be able to complement each other so well. Yeah, that, that's super exciting. I mean, I think if you are a man in the world <laughs> i just <laughs> i was trying to pick which are you a boy are you a man are you a son whatever but it you know assuming you have a father i think that that's always something that you know is is attractive it's like it's one of those things you're like oh i'd like to i'd like to take a train across the uh north uh, america and i'd also like to do something great with my father <laughs> or, or i don't know i just put those two together I'm rando tonight, man. <laughs> okay. Wow. So let, let's let's kind of like just uh, describe these real quick here. Um, you, you, Tony was instantly intrigued because he loves Rickenbackers. I love me some Rickenbackers. And <laughs> we're also, so, we, you know, if this was a wine, we'd be going, oh, I see a delicate bouquet, an earthy tone of Rickenbacker with a, a slight fruity waft of K or silver tone maybe in there. So I, I showed Todd, uh, I have a, a 360F, which is, you know, their uh, semi-hollow, basically, you know, a flat top, flat bottom uh, Gretsch shape that, that Rick did in the, in the 60s, well, actually in the 50s and even into the 60s. And I said, boy, it's, you know, it has the same kind of feel to it. And, uh, and it looks like, I mean, I'm just... You know, I don't necessarily that, agree, but that's okay. Oh, geez. Well, he doesn't... That's okay. Todd doesn't agree with anyone. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, you it's kind in of... In the a, sense that it looks like a guitar? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does have three yeah. knobs. That makes yeah. it different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, as, as we're but talking it, about these... But in terms of construction, it looks yeah. like you're scooping out uh, things not pretty much how how, how ricks are made is that, is that is that true at least on these semi hollow ones? Yeah, it's it's a similar design. I mean, one of the things that we did is we went through two solid years of, of prototyping different combinations of wood and you know every little thing you can imagine from you know the nut to the bridge to the. Um, fretboard material and you know what we'd found is when we did the original design it was a rather hefty guitar so one of the things that's a little bit unique about it in relation to a rick 
Um, one, it does have a mahogany core to it, whereas ricks are all maple. And then also um, what we did is we removed some of the wood, though there is a center block running down the center, uh, we removed the wood in between the pickups as well as behind the bridge. So it has a little bit more of a- um, Yeah, exactly. It's a little bit more hollow than a typical rick. But and, not and, as hollow as a semi-hollow. Because uh, I, I, I'm looking at one of the uh, photos on your Instagram where it looks like the lower horn is is solid or at least not scooped out yet. So that's the newer model that we're working on. Uh, on the other guitars that are posted on our website, it's actually scooped out on both ends and I it's see. much more hollow. But since we're doing a smaller body on that one, um, I thought it'd be interesting to take a little bit of a different approach to it. So that one's not quite as hollowed out as okay. the other models are. Well, I was making the note to Tony that like I, I feel like that might have given it like a great sense of balance. Uh, I didn't realize that that was a smaller body. Um, but having that sort of lower horn, which is, you know, it's kind of like a mid-engine car, you know, like the solid, everything else is all lightweight, just giving it a nice sense of balance there. Uh, we have, we've kind of dove right into the construction and everything, but uh, I just want to paint a quick picture for those who are listening who, who aren't able to see these guitars real quick. We're looking at, it's a flat top, flat back, semi-hollow looking guitar, F-hole, and it's got um, single horn. So it's reminiscent of 335. Mm, I'd call it more like a, like a Super 400 or an L5. Okay, or, so, or something that other people like. I will take reference. that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm in the sense of if, if you think of a semi-hollow body guitar. I'm thinking. Okay, except if you turn it sideways, it looks like a telly thin line in that aspect. So where it's like super flat. And that's what was interesting to me. And I didn't, I didn't pick that up the first time I saw these. I just thought... Oh, this is this is sort of a modern, um, like a modern flavor of uh, you know, sort of that old Rick, old K, old Silvertone kind of you know look. But then you know, I saw the sign. I was like, that thing is completely flat. Like, and that was really intriguing. These also each have their own burst to it, like color burst. One's got a green burst. One's got like a red red and black burst. And so there's a throwback quality to it. It also has a, a nice flavor of some modern appointments to it. So closest thing that I could think of were some of like the uh, Maton. Maton. Maton from Australia. Good day, mate. You know, from uh, like Queens of Stone Age was playing yes. those for, for quite a while. Now they're yeah. playing Echo Park. But um, those were sort of big body, super flat. Yes. Throwback, but had modern appointments. Yes. Kind of reminiscent of that. It's all over the place. There's lots of things in here. Go look at them for yourself. I'm not going to shut up. Stop the descriptions. <sighs> so sorry, everybody. Now I'm confused. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought it was a guitar. sitting right here. <laughs> you have two models out right now, right? So we have two models out right now. There is... A third that we had prototyped, and it's actually a super thin body. It's almost like a jazz box. Um, it doesn't have a cutaway to it. Uh, I'm working to perfect that a little bit. It's a single pickup model. On the prototype that we originally did, we put the pickup um, somewhere in between where the neck and the bridge would go. And I'd like to move that up into the neck position. And the goal is to add a couple base cut switches so that it can be a little bit more flexible. So oh, wow. that's mm -hmm. one that's kind of out there, but not fully out there. And then we're working on um, the smaller body, kind of my take on an electric parlor guitar. And interestingly enough, last week when I was out in the shop, I took that same pattern and I turned it around to see what it would look as a double cutaway model. And um, Todd, I'm sure you know this being in you know design, you know, sometimes it's like banging your head against the wall. You're sitting there for hours trying to come mm -hmm. up with something. And then other days you draw something up and you're like, hey, that looks pretty cool. And only took 10 minutes and there's no really rhyme or reason behind it. Right. So I did that and uh, drew up a pickguard design. And it was something my dad thought was pretty cool. And the next day I had a customer reach out to me and say, hey, have you ever considered doing something that's like a double cutaway? Um, you know, kind of like a Les Paul Jr. And was like, interestingly enough, yesterday I started drawing that up. So that's something I'm excited about, and that will hopefully be in the works in the next month or so. That's cool, and that'll still be that that big body semi hollow thing going on. 
That'll be the smaller bodied one, okay. just a double cutaway version. But instead of doing it short scale, we'll probably do the uh, 24 and three quarter scale okay. that we have on the other models. Okay. I, cause I was looking at uh, the one where you've got the, the single cutaway with the more um, pronounced horn. And I thought, oh my gosh, that is a double cutaway would look sick. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> It'd be kind of Trini Lopez-ish. Yeah, it yeah would, that would look that really body. cool. Okay, you're just starting out. I mean, and by just starting out, you've obviously been working on this for like two years, but you know, it's not like you're a household name at this point. You're doing semi-hollow body guitar in Nashville. What are you thinking? <laughs> I mean, well, I, I'm just saying there's like, absolutely no market for there's, a hollow body guitar in Nashville. Why is it in a telecast? <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like, I don't have, there's no more odds to stack against <laughs> this endeavor. But uh, um, you managed to do something I think that's rather unique. So walk us through that. Yeah. So a couple of things there. I think the first thing is, um, and I may catch some flack for this. Let me preface it by saying I absolutely love Telecasters, but does the world really need another guy, you know, with a bolt on neck telly putting, yes. you know, gives <laughs> in it? No, they don't. Okay, we'll we'll play along with you. No. <laughs> um, and then on the other side of that, you know, as I mentioned before, I grew up listening to '60s music. That's where my heart is. You know, yeah. watching. Harrison play those huge Gretches, yeah. um, you know, John Lennon with the casinos and an unhealthy obsession with Back to the Future and watching Marty McFly with that 335. Um, and there's just something about a hollow and semi-hollow body guitar that, um, you know, not everyone has to feel this way, but for me, like I played those for so long, you know, strapping a solo body on feels a little bit sterile because I don't, you know, mm. feel the air going through the guitar mm. as, you know, I'm playing through a cranked amp. So, that's just one of those things that I've always played, but with all the guitars that I have, you know, there's things that I feel like could be perfected on them. So like, um, you know, I have a 335, which is an incredible guitar and sounds awesome with overdrive. But one of the things is with Gibsons, they sound incredible with overdrive, but I kind of prefer the cleans of a Fender. So, hmm. you know, that's one of the things I wanted to do is find a guitar that could you know, play and sound, you know, equally well in the hands of, you know, Noki Edwards as in the hands of Ron Ashton. And then, you know, the, the thin line of the guitar, most semi-hollows, you know, the, the thinnest aside from Rick's um, that are out there, usually like one and three quarters, two inches, you know, there's some ones much bigger than that. But once I bought that Rick several years back and I started playing it, I was like, man, this is just so comfortable to play. Which model do you yeah. have? I've got the 330. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and something about it just felt right, you know, and um, I've got a Gretsch that I absolutely love, but it's full hollow, a little bit more prone to feedback. So I wanted to take all the things that I loved about my guitars and put them into, um, you know, something of my own, a bit unique, but that took all those little bits and pieces that I grew to love about each of them and throw them in one instrument. Oh, yeah. Obviously, you've got some some influences here. Walk us through some of your design decisions because it's so rare to actually be able to come up with something that doesn't exactly look like something else. Even if there's influences all over the place, if you can look at that and you can say, huh, that's unique in its reference-y kind of way. Yeah, for sure. And without a doubt, that's been... For me personally, the biggest challenge is coming up with a design that looks cool and unique and not ridiculous at the same time because there's a fine line there. Ever since I was little, man, I loved the uh, the budget guitars from like Sears catalogs. You know, right. you're talking about the uh, Silver Tones. You have your Nationals. It's not necessarily a budget guitar, but, you know, in that vein design mm -hmm. wise. And for me, um, <laughs> Interestingly enough, I think my biggest inspiration is like antique radios, which may not make a whole lot of sense. But, you know, when you're at an antique shore and you're seeing those old radios from the 40s, like somewhere towing the line of Art Deco in mid-century, that's just um, where it's always been at for me. And, you know, every time I've gone to a pawn shop or a guitar store and I pick up an old K or Harmony, like, 
I want to buy it so much, but you know, they're just not great guitars. And thanks to you know the Black Keys and Jack White, they fetch absurd prices these days. So my goal was to come up with something that was inspired by those designs, but spared no expense on you know the components and the quality of it. So you could really just take it out on the road, beat it to hell. It's going to stay in tune. It's going to play great. You're not going to worry. I have to worry about, you know, those things like, well, what's the action like? Does it, does it feel as good as it looks on stage? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, we were talking about that before. Like uh, almost word for word. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah, hilarious. And then yeah, I hear what you're saying about the old harmonies and K's and things like that. Uh, you know, if somebody ever asks me what, you know, they want something like that, um, but maybe don't want to spend a, a silly amount of money on something that's substandard, maybe. And you know, I always point them towards like the Eastwood stuff because yeah. I think, you know, uh, Mike Robinson has taken that, you know, basically the those designs and shapes and things. And in some cases, I think they even bought the, uh, the, the, uh, the naming rights like on the airline stuff. And they're making a, a, a better quality uh, model of guitar mm -hmm. than if, you know, some of the vintage pieces. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, for sure. I've got uh, one of his twelve strings, and and for the price, it really oh, can't be yeah, beat. Yeah, He's done. Yeah. Um. Well, that we'll save all that for the Eastwood show. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, Jared. Those guys, I think, have a factory in Nashville now, so you might be able to uh, make that connection when you're down here. Excellent. Yeah, we can do that. So, I'm wondering. You know, you do this with your dad, right? What? Where does your dad play a part in this? Uh, so uh, you've talked about the design and, and, you know, where you got your inspiration for all that. So does your dad, um, did he have more of the know-how with the getting down and dirty with the tools and, and all that kind of thing? But yeah, for sure. That's exactly right. Um, you know, right now uh, I'm definitely learning and I'm still heavily involved in the building of the guitars with the bodies. But when it comes down to, you know, uh, shaping the necks and fitting the uh, neck joints on the set necks and stuff. That's really his wheelhouse and I'm learning every day, but he's he's the master when it comes to stuff like that. And uh, I really lean heavily on him for his knowledge, know-how, and really his ability to uh, pull just about anything off. I mean, he's the guy's incredible when it comes to uh, anything woodworking or building. So I just Fortunate that I have that resource by blood. You know, I couldn't really ask for a better one. Did yeah, he have nice. any say with the, the any of the design? Or you know, like it's that, funny that, that you asked that. Um, I always ask him anytime that I make adjustments. And Todd, you may know what this is like being in design. But like I will, I'm old school. Um, funnily enough, whenever I'm designing guitars, you know, like I, I know a lot of folks use computers these days. I actually go out and get a big piece of paper from like staples or something like that that's squared off in inches and everything is done by hand so like i'll spend two hours on the floor you know moving the curve of a cutaway mm -hmm. for you know like an eighth of an inch this way an eighth of an inch that way all that being said you know anytime i make an adjustment or a change you know i'll snap a picture of it or take it over and ask him what he thinks and it's really funny because he tells me now that uh, even though I asked for his advice, I never take it. And, you know, whatever <laughs> I think wins out every yeah. time, which I uh, it's it's true. But, yeah, uh, he's definitely involved. You know, it's, it's a great feeling whenever I do something that I'm super stoked about. And he's like, yeah, that looks really good. You know, just having that um, extra input there. But I think when it comes to the design of things, ultimately, I'm just more stubborn than he is. So I'll probably win out mm -hmm. in the end. <laughs> Well, the reason I ask is because I'm, you know, mostly because I'm kind of envious that you get to work with your dad on something like this. I think this is great. Yeah. Yeah, it's surprisingly cool. Um, I mean, I, I think that if, you know, he and I were of the same age and grew up together, we probably would have been the kind of guys that got in a lot of trouble uh, hanging out. So I feel very fortunate for sure, without a doubt. Cool. You mentioned uh, the large drawing and everything out. Um, it, that reminded me. Uh, so I, I reference uh, Chase Gullet from Chasing Vintage Guitars often because he lives close by me and he makes incredible guitars. And uh, I, I remember going over every time I 
go over there and he's like, Hey, I, I drew, I, I got a new design or I'm working on this one. And he, and he's got all these big giant pieces of paper. And I remember seeing that the first time. And I thought, wow, you're doing that. You're, like, that's really cool. You're laying it all out all by hand. And you just don't, I guess, you know, you, you don't see that as much anymore. His was just out of necessity. He's like, I just didn't want to mess around with computers. <laughs> just, you know, I didn't want to buy um, a giant my, 3D. My card. wife hates it. At any given moment in time while I'm working on designs, there's like four giant pieces of paper yeah. just like yeah. taped to the walls <laughs> around the house. And um, whenever I was designing the uh, custom tell pieces that I did for this, the guitars, I did get a work in some CAD software. And it's a lot of fun. But um, for me, you know, I've just always done things, paper, pencil, and um, that's just the way I prefer to operate when I'm in design mode. That's cool. I yes. need to I need to hit him up and see if he can donate. Um, not uh, chase one of his uh, drawings, even if it's one that didn't make it to to finish for our for our wall in here. We oh, gotta yeah, yeah, just put it right that'd up be, there. That'd be pretty cool. How about as far <laughs> as far as the finish work? Are you guys doing yes. that in house? And and what what type of finish do you like to use? Yeah, so we're definitely doing nitro finish, which is really fun and annoying to work with all at the same time smells good um <laughs> yeah it's funny sometimes i'll go into the spray booth and forget to have my mask on oh that's a problem get, and, and then yeah. you forget to leave <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. three days later i come out <laughs> it's funny i'll go in there and i'll come out and be like man it's are the fans working right in there and i'll just realize i didn't have my mask on while i was yeah. in there yeah. But um, yeah, that's one of my favorite parts of the process. It's super, um, it can be frustrating because finish work is just finicky. But for me, you know, when you're putting the sunburst or um, spraying the finish on it, it's kind of when the guitar starts to become alive. So I like working with nitro and uh, doing the finishing work. It's um, not easy and always fun as, you know, textbook definition, but that's one of the, the parts that I enjoy the most. Are you getting very uh, exploratory-ish? No, no. Are you uh, how do you explorative? Uh, uh, experimental. Yeah, experimental with. Uh, I mean, you're you're staying to sort of the the classic '60s kind of colors, but um, have you have you had the request to get uh, crazy with it yet? I haven't necessarily got requests, but it's interesting that you say that. One of the things that we're doing on the newer models, one of them is going to have a walnut stained top. And then for the back and sides, we're going to do, I've heard it referred to as like a dog hair finish on it to where we're going to spray that white and then come in after spraying it with a walnut stain wood filler. So you get that kind of TV yellow look on it. So that's something that I'm excited about exploring with these newer models. That's cool. Ooh. Excellent. Excellent. And you'd mentioned you uh, you have uh, you, well obviously it's it, I haven't seen the tailpiece on anything else so you you actually designed that and are you having that uh, made for you or is that something you're doing in house too? No, that's actually something that we're having made for us. We're fortunate enough being uh, in Nashville. I know where. To, uh, I know where. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and those guys are awesome. I feel they like are. I may have been the um, you know the squeaky wheel with Jeremy over there because. Yeah. Um, you know, just getting started, I was like, well, how, how much would it, you know, cost to do five, you know, which just <laughs> isn't an option for right. stuff like those guys. Exactly. <laughs> but he, they've been fantastic to work with. And one of the guys over there, actually, uh, we have him playing one of our guitars from when we were at Amigo Guitar Show and super nice folks and couldn't recommend working with them Frank? Uh, enough. Playing, are you talking about Frank playing the guitar? Yeah, I think so. He's yeah. really good. Yeah, really good. Uh, it is a handsome tailpiece. Yes, it I, is. I, we 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 were all quickly drawn to that. Um, and it's partially because it's one that I don't think that we've really seen. It it looks it's basically like if you ran over a trapeze with a with a pavement steamroller. Steam roller. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's a flat trapeze, right? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the things that I've always liked and interestingly enough, I couldn't really tell you why, but through playing hollow body guitars, you know, playing something with a trapeze like a Gretsch or the Rickenbacker, I just like having more string space uh, mm -hmm. behind the bridge of the guitar. Yeah. I, 
it, it seems like it affects the resonance of the guitar, just the way it feels when you're playing it. So I wanted to do something like that and back to doing something, you know, a bit unique as we we're designing these guitars, you know, the tell piece, when I draw it up with just like a stop bar, just didn't look right, you know, yeah. and it made it definitely way more into like 135 territory or something yep. like that. And then also, um, you know, the hand turn ebony knobs that we do on there, that goes back to my um, being inspired by old antique radios. Mm -hmm. It just didn't seem to do the guitars justice to throw like plastic knobs on there. So that was kind of a last minute decision. But as we were building them and got the first few out, it's like, we've got to do something better than that. So yeah. I got a lathe and knocked those out. And um, that's another one of those parts. It's super tedious, but one of my favorite parts about building them. So uh, your pickup selector switch, I really like the plate you have that is reminiscent of the uh, Harmony Meteor model. They have yeah, for kind sure. of the diamond. I really like that. I think that it just, it, it's like tires on a car. It, any, any little subtle detail what? just kind of sets out. You it's know, like tires on the, a car oh, is yeah. what he said. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's... <laughs> Like tires on a car. I mean, you got crappy, crappy tires and wheels, right? The car looks like crap. You got, you know. Craigers, oh well, if you have if you have a car with you, no tires, you, you, then it is really it my looks car. Bad. Or your you car. You took the smallest thing on that guitar and then equated it to the, the tires to on the a car. But it's true. Look at it. Look at the diamond on no, that. No, I love. I know, dude. I know it's exactly like, where you're coming yep, from. It's like. What ten percent of the guitar? It's the it's space. it's handsome, and you and you sometimes see that Gibson uses it on some of their models for the jack plate. Right, I've yeah. seen those. I think even on a Flying V, I've, I've seen one, but um, on a uh, mm. definitely on like some of the the big body guitars. Yeah, it yeah, looks really uh, cool. It's just a really nice switchmaster detail. Well, Was that and, a switch might have been one of the th it, that kind of goes along with a lot of when you when you especially when you look at the older model guitars right uh, something that i think modern design does is try very hard to be very symmetrical and to make sure that all the all the gaps are all the same and and, and i'm not just talking about guitars i'm talking about product right tires there is the a there's a uh, a desire or a, a, a method of design that basically makes everything feel super, super, super balanced. Right. And when you're looking at old, like the old flying V or, or, or Explorer or any of the, you know, it's like, I don't know, let's put a diamond on this thing that has all curves. <laughs> and, and it's just one of those things that that's why we still love those old guitars. Yeah. The, um, I was actually looking at this the other day. I've got a double cutaway Les Paul, and um, uh, it's a special and the the actual pick guard isn't like the gaps around it aren't balanced at all. Mm. But I love it. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, 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 my eye keeps getting drawn to it. And I've, I think that's something that when when things are too balanced, your eye doesn't want to. It's just, just kind of like, oh, right, I get it. There's nothing you know, there there's to nothing catch to your find. eye. Yeah. Yeah, like the the little the little spaces in between the pick guards on the on the flying V's and the, and the uh, explorers are hilarious because it feels like a designer didn't do those. It feels like an engineer is like, well, I mean, just make it that, like that. You know, they're just kind of well. Why didn't you just follow the shape of the guitar right there, man? Um, That's funny. I think did you guys um, you interviewed Florian from Millimetric at one yes. point? Yeah. You know? Great. I remember listening to that and he basically said the same thing. And um, I, I agree wholeheartedly um, that some of those older designs are super cool, but they couldn't make any less sense for the guitars right, that they're on right. from a design perspective. Yeah. Um, and then, but you are complimenting that you're not just following that sort of rando kind of uh, methodology. There, there are certain things where, where you're, taking more modern edges like you know alignment of the knobs it feels like the trapeze and the humbuckers and everything the, the pickups are those feel more modern put together even though it's old stuff but somehow it, it has a little bit of modern edge to it i don't know how you do it. what are you doing i don't know what you're doing yeah, he there. put the diamond <laughs> where the switch is that's what he's doing yeah he put the diamond on the thing that's right well, I'm uh, huge on the little awesome. details. Like some of our guitars, will put the uh, the diamond inlay fret markers on them, like you don't hardly see anymore. Right. And then 
also like the um i don't know if the pictures show it but the strap buttons on our guitars we try our best to make them match whatever the binding is so it's not your standard nickel but the little things like that that um you know when you put it all together to one piece it ends up making a, a pretty big impact and i'm a stickler for the details sure yeah i i, I gotta tell you i just i just leaned over to tony and i you know i keep looking at uh there's one in particular here that I keep looking at. It kind of has like a, a green, well, almost like a green burst on it. It might just be the picture, but it, it has a greenish hue to it. Gosh dang it. I'm just like really falling in love with these guitars right now, man. And I, and I love at the bass, the butt end of the guitar. It's just a little squashed. Yeah. 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 So one of the other things that is... Um, a pretty big influence for me is like acoustic guitar design and a lot of the old dreadnoughts and uh, things like that that you'll see. They're always flat on the bottom of the guitar. And we also do a Bigsby option, which um, mm -hmm. it just kind of helps make that whole process easier to have it flat there. But it's just one of those design decisions that I made when I was first starting to do it, you know. Um, the more round it is, the more it just starts to look at like other guitars that have already been made. Yeah. So. One of those small details that every time I, I make one, I try to, you know, just put that's my signature for lack of yeah. a, a better word. Yeah, for no, sure. For sure. Um, uh, you know, another design point that we were talking about was it would have been very easy to say, well, uh, semi hollow guitars and guitars of this ilk have this sort of hourglass shape. And then we start talking about you, you softened the hip and, and the horn area. Uh, it's just a tiny little thing that again, a makes it more unique and B doesn't make it just a, a, a throwback knockoff. It does feel modern. It, it has edge to it. Interesting. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's um, yeah, that's, that's awesome feedback, man. I appreciate it for sure. I, I guess maybe last question about what goes into this. What are you using for your fretboard? Yeah, so the fretboards are ebony. Nice. Really? Ebony's hard to get or it's expensive, isn't it? It is, but one of the the philosophies, I guess, um, that sounds way more corporate than I would ever mean for it to, but behind, um, you know, building our guitars, with my father, as I got together at the beginning, I was like, look, man, let's, um, you know, regardless uh, of price let's always put quality and sound first and never you know cheapen out on components for it and the ebony definitely does brighten up the guitar a little bit yeah. um i like the way that it looks as well yeah so along the lines of that and sparing no expense you know we um as i mentioned before tested out just about every component on the guitar and we're going to everything from you know the fretboard material to capacitors and we came across these Emerson capacitors and, um, you know, they're, they're not the cheapest ones out there, but we did a blind listen test against five different capacitors and, uh, myself, my father and a buddy of mine said, that's the one that sounds the best in the guitars, which we were kind of saddened by because they're like 15 bucks a pop. But that's, you know, that's the whole mentality behind what we're doing with this is, you know, quality first, um, in everything that we do. I mean, and a lot of these things are, you know, you're making like a 5% difference in tone or sound or fill, but, you know, that 5% over, you know, six or seven things really adds up to a pretty big portion of the guitar once all considered. So we just made that decision from day one, you know, we're always going to go with quality sound and feel over anything else. Awesome. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, first time anybody puts one of these things on and then reaches down to, to roll up the volume, they're going to be like, oh, that feels different. What is this, ebony? Oh, nice. You know, <laughs> that's got to be, I, 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 I hope to do that soon. Um, dude, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I, I'm just really enjoying looking at these and I can't wait to actually get one in my hands. Um, when we get down there. Uh, so gentlemen, do you have any further questions for this, uh, key witness? No, what's, uh, uh, pickups. It looks like you're using mostly P nineties. Is that right? Or are you using, uh, other variations thereof? Yeah. So, um, they're a P90 enclosure, but we actually worked, um, with Lindy Fralin on those pickups. One of the things that's unique about doing a guitar that is somewhat acoustic in nature is it's not like a Telecaster, um, 
you know, you can't just throw any pickup in the guitar and it's going to sound fantastic regardless. So during that two year period where we were going through and prototyping and testing, I tried so many different pickups in this instrument, you know, from like Filtertron styles, humbuckers, etc. And what we ended up with as the best sounding pickup for our guitars was something that's similar to a P90, but um, has Alnico rods in it instead. So going back to my um, preference for like the Fender clean tone yeah. as opposed um, to, you know, the Gibson clean tone. A lot of people think that the bolt on neck is what makes a Fender sound different than Gibson's. And I'm sure it does to some point as well as scale, but to my ears, the steel pole pieces versus Alnico rods is probably the biggest component there. And we also um, have him wind them to our specs that fit these specific instruments and use threaded Alnico rods. So each guitar that we build is gonna respond a little bit differently to the pickup. So that enables me in the final setup to go in and fine tune each pole piece on the pickup to make sure that you're getting a real even you know, string response across the board. So I'm going to assume they are single coil. They are single coil. We have done um, hum canceling and I like those as well. If someone's going to be using, you know, uh, a lot of gain in their setup and they want a little bit of a darker tone, we'd be glad to do that. But the uh, single coils definitely have a little bit more of a spank to them. And it's my personal preference. Yeah. There you go. I like it. Actually, Gibson used all Nico rods in the 40s when they were uh, building P90 type uh, pickups and they were putting them in steel guitars and lap steels. But uh, I really like how you did your own thing. You totally went out of your way to just do your own thing that nobody else, I don't know anybody else that's using, you know, threaded magnets uh, doing P90 stuff. That That's great. Okay. Hey, everybody. Go ahead, Jared. Well, it's time for Would You Rather. All right. All right. This week's Would You Rather. So you walk into a thrift store <laughs> because you're going to build an amplifier, but you're looking for a really cool enclosure for the amp, which led you to the thrift store. So you're going to choose between an old TV, an old tube TV with a nice big square enclosure or... Are you going to choose an old radio enclosure? So it's hilarious that you started talking about that, Zach, because like that's what Tony and I were talking about before this. It's just funny how you like your stuff paralleled everything that we were talking about before the show. I know. So it was perfect. He may have been listening in. Maybe he was. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> okay. So excellent. Good job, Jared. I care. Tony. I'm going to take the, uh, the, the old TV so I can put eight eight-inch speakers in it. Oh, jeez! <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. Plus, it'll be you know a nice big box because well, the yeah, eight-inch like speakers break up better, right? Well, yeah, they're the best. <laughs> nice. I might I might put some some sixes in there too on the back. Uh, right. That's what I think. Some, hey, some I white. think the TV. I think the okay. TV gives you a little more space. I like that, Jared. Well, I'm gonna go with the radio because uh, I think. If I made an amp out of a radio, it would be so simple and easy. You wouldn't have to drill in any more holes for the on and off button and the tuner button. It would just be a volume button and a tone button instead. So my grandpa could use it if he wanted to because he's old and he complains about newer things with all these buttons on new fangled button things <laughs> and he still of, plays of the guitar to consider uh zach what are you doing oh that's true yeah i'm uh i'm old school radio hands down all the way there you go all righty all right i'm Todd, going with you? the tv because i want to put a cool cloth where the tv tube was really yes with a 15 inch speaker behind it no i'm just kidding <laughs> come on do an 18 no. do no, an 18 I like, the, I like the idea of like maybe a 410 you know sort of make yeah, a whole basement kind of, of out of it you yeah know? that'd be kind of fun. i could dig that some of those huge console tvs i mean humongous they're like furniture right yeah they are for sure crazy so zach where can people reach you Yes, we're on Instagram at McPeters Guitars, and they can also go to our site at McPetersGuitars.com. Excellent. 
and you're down in Nashville. I am. I, uh, I'm just a little bit west of the city, but um, yeah, right in the area for sure. Okay. So get a hold of him uh, and go down and play one of those guitars. Get your hands on one of these things. They are, they are, they're mighty fine looking people. Yeah. So we're going to be listing some of the guitars that we took to the show and um, that we've shown around a bit that have minimal sides of wear uh, at a little bit of a discounted rate. And we'd like to extend a 10% a discount to Guitar Knobs um, listeners. So if you're interested, shoot us a note. Let us know that you listen to the podcast and we'll be glad to help you out. I love it. Excellent. I awesome, love it, man. That is super cool. Thank you for doing that. Um, I, It's just a, it's a nice treat for our listeners. And man, oh man, if you can get your hands on one of those, I'm sure there's not a big giant stack of them. So get on that and yeah. get your 10% off. Thanks so much for doing that, Zach. Uh, Tony. Yes. If you need a custom pick guard or even a not so custom pick guard, go over to pickguardian.com. Uh, you can also visit on Instagram and Facebook at pick guardian and the number one. Perfect. Jared. Hey, Brandon Wong pickups. We build boutiqueups. Boutiqueups. <laughs> boutiqueups. You make teacups? We make boutiqueups. <laughs> Out of we, boats? That's right. We build boutique pickups, new and vintage and vintage down to the T. We also do rewinds at a low cost with a fast turnaround. Jared at BrandonWoundPickups.com. J-A-R-E-D, BrandonWoundPickups.com. Excellent. And if you want to drop me a line at Todd at TheGuitarKnobs.com, I would love to hear from you. Yep. Or hang out on our social stuff. We like that too. Tony, you got some. we got some people to thank. Yes, we do. We would like to thank our executive producers. Excellent. Those would include people like Tom Barazin, Martin Cliff, David Wolfson, Matt Brammer, Carlos Mancha, Pete Marshall, Derek Fitzer, Robin Smith, John Daly, Oliver Gonzalez, Sean S., Chris Kearney, John Anglin, Robert Marfleet, Darren Gregory, Gary Goodman, Zach J. Wright, and Doug Chris. That's Thank right. you. What, uh, what tier level gets you that? Uh, that would be the, the executive tier level, executive producer. And that accounts for $10 a month you or get more. Have, yeah, and you get and to have your name right on the thing. You get your name right on the thing and, and lots of other fun prize packages. And you also get a button for your your T-shirt. <laughs> no, not a button for your T-shirt. <laughs> you no, right now. <laughs> You'll get a button for your T-shirt, you but not get for a, us. I want, be for, no. It'll be in the uh, builder's pack that we include. The builder's pack. So go cool. over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs and find out how you too can become a patron. Get your name right. As well as an executive producer. Yes. One, five, ten dollars. We appreciate it all. Hundreds. Three hundreds. Five hundreds. Thousands. Very, Bring very, the thousands ones in. We are very thankful for for them at all levels. We got Absolutely. a couple new ones uh, this week at the $1 and we are very grateful for you. Thank Dunk, you guys. Danke Shane. Everyone, we are so grateful for your listenership and for your inclusion in our guitar world as a whole. Zach, thank you very much for joining us and uh, hanging out uh, during this interview. It was a pleasure to, to talk with you and to get to know your guitars a little bit more. Everybody, go check these things out, will you? Subscribe! Yeah! Mm, um, there's a fine line between clever and stupid. What the hell was that? Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at guitar knobs. Catch you next time.